Kia ora tato. Aroha nui ki te atua. Aroha nui ki te tangata. Blessings to the people. Mihi nui whānau ihu karaiti ki tinana uh, me wairua tapu. Hei iwi tahi tahu. Hei iwi tahi tato. We two peoples together. That was the word that Hobson gave when he shook hands with all the chiefs who'd signed at Waitangi on the 6th of February. And there's been great misunderstanding around that and it's been misused for political purposes um, to say that we're all the same. But we're not all the same, are we? We're all different and God loves the diversity and the difference of who he's called this nation of people to be at this particular time in history and way back then on February the 6th when the treaty was being signed. And sometimes we forget, you know, we give politicians too much credit. We allow this to become too much of a political thing because I believe that um, really at the heart of Tituriti or Waitangi is is our, our God, our God and Saviour who had a plan for this nation even before the missionaries arrived here. The Wairua Tapu was brooding over this land because he wanted a people at the ends of the earth where the sun first rises, at this place um, that is the furthest from Jerusalem. He had a plan. These islands in the Pacific, this Pacific island, I mean increasingly I think um, that we have to stop thinking of ourselves as being a European nation or following England and, and and, and or, or even Australia, look, they don't even want us over there. If you're one year old in, in New Zealand and you spend the rest of it, they're kicking us out too. So we have to find our own identity in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And I'm surprised that we're still discussing whether or not we should run those two words together. This is Aotearoa, New Zealand. This is our place in the world. It's given to us because this is the space that God's given us to develop into a unique nation with our own understanding of who we are where we came from and where we're going to. And that's really important. And I I get frustrated when I think that only now are we thinking of introducing history into our schools about what has happened in this nation. 800 years at least of Māori occupation in this country. And, and, And we don't know the story. This is a travesty. It's late in the story and we need to be part of it. And, you know, the missionaries had been here for 26 years on their own, building relationships with Māori, learning the language, learning te reo. They could not have communicated unless they sat and listened. And one of the things, it's a great skill, isn't it? Sometimes I think that we forget that one of the greatest skills is the ability to sit and listen and to hear what's on people's hearts. And I don't think that those early missionaries, I mean, they, they were just like us. They squabbled and argued amongst each other. They had no idea what they stepped into until the second wave of missionaries decided that it wasn't all about agricultural development and teaching them social skills. It was more about how does the gospel fit into this environment? How can people's hearts be changed? And at that point, it was at that point that Māori went, oh, you're, you're, you're on a spiritual walker here. Well, well, we've been on a spiritual walker too, and we can understand some of the things you're beginning to tell us about this great spirit, about this loving Father in heaven, about this brooding spirit that wants to take us to the next stage, this Jesus Christ, this Ihu Kraiti, who's able to bring us into a new place. And unfortunately, there were a lot went wrong. You know, within four years of that treaty being signed, just about everything that was promised had been broken. 
But I, I think it's, it's, it's interesting to, to look at the connections. You know who William Wilberforce is, don't you? Well, William Wilberforce um, was a teacher to Samuel Marsden, the one who, um, who started the mission to Aotearoa. But his nephew, James Stephen Jr., um, was a member of the Clapham sect who changed a lot of things in England. They, they, they stopped slavery. He, Wilberforce spent 20 years of his life trying to end slavery and was very empathetic to what was going down here in the Pacific. And his nephew was part of that, um, that group as well. And he was in the colonial office and he said, we cannot do what we've done to every other nation. Indigenous people have been damaged and destroyed and ripped off everywhere else. We cannot do this in Aotearoa. Just about every treaty that the British signed was broken. We still have a treaty that is honoured today. And it's a chance for us to, to keep going back to that place in history and saying, no, we have an agreement. Te Tiriti o Waitangi is our right as citizens, as Pākehā, as New Zealanders of all persuasions, and we are of all persuasions, and I say it again, God loves diversity, but if we don't honour our Indigenous people, if we don't honour the First Nations people who invited us here in good faith in the first place, then we will lose the whole tone of what God is wanting to do in this country. The signature on those treaties was signed by 500, um, 540 chiefs, 500 of those chiefs um, signed the Māori version, and it was agreement to work together. It was an agreement to protect Māori from all of those forces, including sailors and uh, whalers and, and, and all sorts of itinerants who came here, out here just to get what they could possibly get. Māori wanted something more. They wanted a relationship. And believe me, there were 90,000 Māori at the time and less than 2,000 Pākehā, and they were not going to be accepting a treaty that said, hey, we're taking over, guys. It's ours now. That was not the tone of the treaty. The tone of the treaty was the world is changing. We see the gospel. We hear this message, and it took them 15 years to begin to seriously hear this message of ihukaraiti, this message of forgiveness, this message of a new kawanata or covenant, which is what they saw the treaty as. It was a spiritual new beginning, an arrangement with Queen Victoria, who was the head of the Anglican Church. This wasn't necessarily a political arrangement. And the people that, uh, that translated it, Henry Williams and his son Edward, did it very quickly. They weren't given much time because the French were on the way here and they were looking to plant some flags. So this was a, a very tight situation. And we've been arguing over some of that translation ever since. And we're still doing it today, but at least we're still talking about it. We haven't broken out into another civil war, although we did have a civil war called the Land Wars that's been denied for ages. We're having to face up to a lot of this stuff in our history that we've never looked at. If we don't lift the carpet up and look at all the garbage that's under there that we haven't dealt with, then the next generation is not going to forgive us for that. And I think we're at a very critical time in history where we need to understand this. I mean, here in Hawke's Bay, uh, the treaty wasn't signed till June 1840, and Paula and I went for uh, the hikoi the other day from, um, fr from the, the Star Compass um, all the way into Clive, and the conversations that, were ha that I had, certainly with Māori people that were there, was things are happening, things are changing, Māori are being more accepted in positions of responsibility and, and uh, around the decision-making table, and something good is happening. 
And I talked to Bruce here the other day. Now, this is amazing, isn't it? We've got Bruce here and we've got Andre. who have got amazing testimonies. And I think our stories, our history and our own personal stories are so important. And you can hear all the stories about gang activity in Hawke's Bay. But when you talk to Bruce, he goes, yeah, but last week 12 Māori from gangs gave their life to the Lord. Something's going on. If we only listen to the bad news then we're not going to hear what God's really doing. And you don't always, you know, it's what happens around a cup of tea, isn't it? It's what happens when you get to, together with people and you have that kanohi kete kanohi, that conversation with people. And, and sometimes it's, it takes a while. It takes three or four cups of tea or whatever to sit and listen and hear what's really being said. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Don't we put on a mask? I'm fine. I'm okay because we don't want people. Maybe we don't trust. And maybe this is what the treaty's been like. It's been betrayed so badly. It's taking a long time to restore the trust that enables true relationship to happen at a level where we can walk arm in arm. Hey, iwi tahi tato. Two peoples walking together because this is our country. We are partners in the future. Because I worry that if we don't get this right, we will be colonised again. And we're in the process of that happening now. Digitally, information overload, stuff just coming at us that we don't even have time to sit and stop. And I think that that's what Waitangi Day should be about. Let's stop. Let's have a kōrero. Let's discuss where we're at. Where have we come from? God gave this treaty in order that two peoples could begin to forge an identity that could shine something back to the rest of the world. This place where the sun first rises, we've got something. And you know, 30 years ago, Māori were lamenting, listen guys, you've signed a treaty, and this was um, uh, the, the bishop in front of the queen, he just stood up and spontaneously spoke out quite vociferously that all, that everything's being done in English. There's no Māori, uh, we've been left behind. But within 30 years, an awful lot has happened. Māori radio stations, Māori television, uh, Māori uh, graduates from university. Māori are stepping out of the mist. They're stepping out of the darkness. They're not whakoma anymore or shy or reluctant to step forward. They are now beginning to step into business and into all sorts of areas with, a, with an economy that's worth about $42 billion. We may see Māori at the lead of the, whaka, of the, of the waka in the near future, leading us into an amazing future. If we can't get alongside, if we can't be alongsiders, and I come back to the situation with Bruce being trained as a counsellor. I think it's a great thing that is happening. We're training up people. We're preparing for something in this church. And we cannot get away with saying that the treaty is not a spiritual document. Māori accepted it as a spiritual document. It was the missionaries that they trusted to explain to them the nature of the treaty. So we're in this, whether we like it or not. We are called to be the peacemakers, the ones who stand in the gap. And if things around here start to happen the way that Sam and Jen have been praying for and this 21 days of prayer is all about, and, and, and it takes somebody to stand 
to somebody to stand. It takes several people to stand and go, no, we're committed to this church. No, we're committed to this gospel of Jesus Christ. No, we're committed to this bicultural relationship. And you often find Māori going, yeah, all right, we've heard all of this before. We've been part of so-called revival. And then suddenly we're asked, what's that green stone around your neck? Is that some sort of devilish tohu or whatever? And, and we have hurt Māori again and again and again because we try and assimilate them and make them like us. But no, God made them like them. God made Māori to be Māori in the fullness of all of that is as full members of the body of Christ. And I think we're starting to respect that here. When I hear Andre get up and give his testimony, my heart flutters and I think, man, you've been through heaps, but you're now giving it heaps amongst a lot of people. And when I see Bruce and I think you're still here after all of this time and you're shining more and more all the time, what's going to happen if, if suddenly... All the people that they're talking to who aren't members of this church suddenly decide, all right, today we'll come. Will we shuffle over because they haven't had a bath? Will we move sideways because they look a little bit uh, threatening? Or will we go, bro, awesome to see you here. Good to see these wahini tour coming. Amazing. It will change this place when that happens. How are we going to relate to that? Are we going to be the alongsiders, the treaty partners that God's called us to be? Or are we going to be reluctant to step up? Because I think these are important times. I think we're stepping into something pretty amazing in this country. And if it happens here the way we want it to happen or the way that God wants it to happen, we can we can be the treaty partners as we sit next to people. We can act as if, you know, we're, we're entering into this relationship of reconciliation and we can build something amazingly. You know, I think that the, the God is restoring his body and that a lot of the barriers, the artificial barriers that we have allowed to step in the way. There's sort of legalism, the denominationalism, the, the politicisation or whatever. I think those barriers are artificial. I don't think they're there at all. I think we have to start seeing beyond the barriers. Christ came between two covenants, didn't he? Two kawanata, the Old Testament, the, the kawanata tefitu, and the New Testament, the kawanata ho. The New Testament fulfilled everything that was in the Old. And Māori saw the Treaty of Waitangi as as a kawanata, a, a covenant like a marriage, and we're working it out. And it's not always easy to work out your marriage. You get married and you have all these dreams and ideas about how wonderful it's going to be, and then you realise that um, actually you think differently about things. And sometimes it's not easy, and sometimes you argue, but forgiveness comes in and you go, oh, I'm glad I got that sorted out. Now we can, we can move on. And then something else happens. This is what's going on in this country. If we have the right conversations and we continue to talk to each other and, and across the seats. If, we, if we're talking to each other, if we're really listening, if we're going to be really good treaty partners, we need to get healed too. You know, because I think that the whole thing is that the walls have come down, isn't it? You know, Jesus was talking and Paul talked so much about the walls of division between the Greeks and the Jews, their, their theological views, their philosophical views, whatever. And he said the walls have come down. And that wasn't some instant solution. It was like, no, love is bigger than all of that. Forgiveness is bigger than all of that. You are one. But that's a philosophical statement too because you've still got to work it out. God's love is bigger than our sense 
of brokenness. And this, this sense of brokenness can be healed through our love and our forgiveness as a body of people that want to step up, look under the carpet and say, we need to move on, learn our story, be, be comfortable in who we are as a body, as a people, and begin to see that treaty. As, as I think, you know, the political thing, uh, an announcements come at Ratana every year. We wouldn't probably wouldn't have a treaty today if he hadn't got a petition up around the country and said, hang on, guys, you've forgotten this. This is really important. And, and, and he said, in one hand is the Bible, in another hand is the Treaty of Waitangi. If we put things right spiritually, everything will come right physically. I love that. So all of these politicians go to Ratna every year to announce their political agenda. But really, there's two sides to the story, Bible and treaty. Without the Bible, without the understanding of God's law and God's love, all of this political stuff will just wear us out. Waitangi Day, same thing. The treaty was signed because missionary, because Māori trusted the missionaries with the principle that the Treaty of Waitangi was a spiritual kawanata, a spiritual document. I think we need to come away from all the political stuff, let the lawyers work out what they're doing, let us be the spiritual agents of love and reconciliation in this time in our history. So maybe next year more of you will end up on the uh, hikoi from... Um, uh, from the Star Compass to Clive Park or whatever, maybe we'll have a song, maybe whatever, but let's be amazing treaty partners and when those people start to come in from the gangs and whatever, let's get alongside. If you want it to happen, let's be prepared for the amazing thing that God is going to do in our midst. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas. Oh, no, that's gone. Oops, I'm knocking everything over. No, I got it first. I know it was close to you, but I mean. Ah, ah. Katoa. Mihi nui. Kiao kia koto. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, I was thinking about this. What does it all mean? Waitangi weekend. All it meant for me back in the day was, okay, someone else is going to get stirred up, someone else is going to have a fight, someone else is going to head to jail, and um, nothing changes. And, um, but as, as over the years have uh, come, uh, things are changing because the people are changing. Um, I think for me, one of the things has been the the greed of those early people who decided, oh, yeah, we agreed to this, but we're just going to do this, okay? And so amongst themselves, they made their own agendas. And, um, you know, when you get married, uh, wives trust their husbands because, you've, you know, you've got a ring and husbands trust their wives that they won't do anything outside of that covenant. And to some people, the marriage covenant doesn't mean that much. And so they'll go out and share themselves around where the other partner is going, man, what a great relationship. We're going great. We're going great. And has no idea what's going on. They're in the dark. And then one day they find out and they think all these years, 
that I've been faithful and true to this person that I've called my spouse. Their agreement, their promise meant nothing. It was all for show. It was all for their own greed. And um, that's a heartache that's hard to get over. You know, um, and if you've been in that place, God's grace to you. And uh, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And it's the same thing with the treaty. Um, we look to the treaty as our marriage document, the one that will bring our two people together. And um, because we had priests, priests who said, this is it. It's a holy document. We've prayed over it and we've got blessing on it. And so instead of having a ring, um, we had a document. And uh, some side broke down, the other side broke down. Then it started for the last, I think, 80 years, 180 years, whatever. It's been, it was your fault. No, it was your fault. And, um, but we're coming to a time, I believe, where uh, the fingers are going to stop pointing because of God's grace, because of his mercy, and because of his love, because people are running out of places to go. They need a place to call home. They need a place to belong. And it's hard to do that when you don't know the truth behind the relationship. And, you know, when it's all out on the table, it's easy to figure it out. But when things are hidden and things people just don't want to know, I don't want to know what happened. That was back then. This is now. No, it's always now. It's always now. It's always there. You know, you turn around, uh, it's right there. You look in the mirror, it's right there. And until we decide to say, okay, I will no longer be ignorant and look at what this thing says to me. Because the treaty speaks to me, it speaks to you. And uh, people think that um, that the treaty is biased towards Māori. It's not. It gives... Uh, it's, it's equal. It is equal. The only thing that's different... I think, really, that uh, Māori get one up in ship these days is that um, I can go to England and stay. I don't need a, uh, a visa. I don't even need a passport. Because uh, according to the treaty, I'm a citizen of, of Britain. And so even though some people have come from England and they're second-generation Kiwis, they can't go back because they're not classed. That's British, where I've never been to England, uh, and I'm British. <laughs> so best of British luck to me. <laughs> I wonder if I got any land there. <laughs> I like that big clock. <laughs> I wonder if there's any rooms under that thing. <laughs> but you see, the thing about what we don't know, we fear and the thing that people don't like about the treaty is because they don't know what it's all about. And they think that if they understand that they're going to feel guilty as anything, that they're going to go, oh my gosh, look at all this. And it's not like that. 
Knowledge is power, the Word tells us. And knowledge can change our hearts. Knowledge can change our perceptions. And the thing about today is that we need to be aware of what we're afraid of. And we need to be aware of what will lift us up. The treaty isn't a thing to be afraid of. It's a thing that can lift us up. It's a thing that doesn't separate us. It's a thing that brings us together. So that when you do see Māori people, and Māori people do see Pākehā people, we're together, not we're separate. The treaty is supposed to bring us together. So don't let the fear of generations past keep us apart. Let's come together in Jesus Christ. Let's come together as one people, people of Aotearoa, God's chosen. Let's come together in love and in unity and in joy that we can worship him who called us to be one together. Kia ora. Oh, kia ora. Um, it's really weird as a Māori. I didn't know much about the treaty. Oh, kia ora tātou, ko Beti Kiri tōku ingoa. And as I've been thinking about it, it's almost like there is this mamai in our DNA. Mamai is this pain, this hurt. And it's almost like it's just innate and it's in us. Sometimes we don't even know. And sometimes we can go to our grave and we still don't feel that mamai. But there are times when that just comes up. And it's just a pain that is there. You know, when we see what's happened to the whenua so we're very much a people that love the land and we like to look after our land and when we see what's happened to that and for me it's that in particular learning te reo Māori has really brought that mamai up has really brought that pain up that happened generations it didn't it wasn't anything that I did but it's something that sort of has been passed down from generation to generation and it's really difficult to explain. And I loved what um, Paul, um, what was said about just allow us to be who we are. And I remember my friend, who's a Pākehā woman, very good friend of mine, and she would complain when I did something and, or, or I said something or the way I did, and I said, well, that's just me. That's the way, this is the way I talk. <laughs> you know, this is just who I am. You know, just allow me to be who I am. And as we were singing that song, um, great are you, Lord, that really came to mind. It's your breath in our lungs. So no one can bring us together but the Lord. We have to have him in the center of our lives so that we can truly live in the treaty, which is not just the Māori treaty, but it's everybody's treaty. And I think of, in particular, our South African brothers and sisters, come over, you're, you're dislocated from your land Welcome to our land. Welcome to our land. Come and be a part of our land with us. And, um, and as a part of Jesus coming in us, that's when we can pour out our praise and our love. He's the only one that can heal us. He's the only one. And so sometimes you have to keep asking for that healing. Like for me, for that mama, you know, when something happens and I go, oh, I get angry and agitated and then I just have to remember, God, just you are my peace. 
You are my peace. You are my healer. So welcome, welcome to Aotearoa. This is our land, our Turanga Waiwai. Kia ora. Taku onere ki te atua ko kawarai te manga, ko wairoa te awa, ko rongapai te waka, ko ihu karaiti te tangata. Primarily that's where our identity all lies together as people that gather today. Kawari, the Calvary, that's our mountain. And, and the Spirit is our river. And the rongapai, the good news of the gospel, that's the canoe that we're all in. And Ihu Karaiti, he's our family. Jesus, we are his sons and daughters. Um, but my pepeha, ko Atasi Tokumanga, ko Nosi Tokumana, ko SSO Pawa Tokuwaka, ko Havi Tokutangata, ko Havi Tokuhapu, ko Kotimana Tokuiwi, no Kotumani Aho. From my father's side, he Tahoe Tokupapa. Uh, ko Samuel Harvey, my grandfather, toku tupuna tane, ko Francis, toku tupuna fia, uh, ko Graydon Harvey, toku papa. Iti tahau toku mama, ko Bruce Huff, toku tupuna tane, ko Joan, toku tupuna wahine, ko Annette Harvey, toku mama, she's my mum. Ko Sam, toku ingoa, ko Jen, toku kauru punamu, she's very precious to me. Ooh, eh? uh, no reira, uh, he waka ikanoa, we're all on this journey together, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou katoa. Um, I'm passionate about what we're talking about today because selfishly, because God's brought healing to me as I have begun to take seriously the treaty, not as a pastor, but as a follower of Jesus. As has been said, this is not just some political document. This is a covenant that was made between two people that God breathed on and used the church as, as the agent to bring two people together. That's why I take this seriously as a follower of Jesus, because I know what covenant means to God because I see covenants throughout the Old Testament where he's trying to say to a people, let's make a covenant together so that we can show the world what it looks like to live in harmony together, Genesis 12. And then he comes and God in his heart forms this covenant between Māori, uh, the mana whenua, uh, and, and then all of these Pākehā, all these white fellas that keep turning up to the land. So let's start, like the world is changing. So in God's heart, he makes this covenant between two people. Now, there was enormous betrayal that took place after that covenant got made. And that, as, as Beth has just pointed out, has caused enormous pain for Māori. And you can see that just as statistically the effects on Māori is horrific. And as a follower of Jesus, I want to take that seriously. And I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. But, uh, but as I say, I'm selfishly passionate about this because it's brought healing to me. I believe what God wants to do in our nation, has been pointed out, is bring healing. And he wants to bring healing to Māori because there is that wound that is there about the betrayal. And, and even though it's now a number of generations since that betrayal took place, the effects of that wound are very serious and it's going to take generations to heal. But we can either ignore it like most nations in the world have done and completely squash the indigenous population and they are poorer for it. Or we can choose to honour the treaty as followers of Jesus and say, Lord, we want to see your healing poured out on Māori, but also on Pākehā. And what do I mean by that is that Pākehā, so just again for all our, our recent immigrants, and there's a lot of you, Heidi, <laughs> my welcome to New Zealand is best said, and we want to, we want to welcome you this morning. But for if you've come to New Zealand and this is now your home and you're not Māori, you're Pākehā. 
Awesome. And like uh, Paul was telling me a while ago that uh, he, there's this traveller overseas in this pub and, um, and, and like, you know, Kiwis kind of bump into each other and it's like, boo, boo. And it's like, and then, uh, and it's like, and this Māori guy in this Pākehā hanging out in this pub. And it's like, oh, Pākehā from, uh, from New Zealand. Yeah, bro. Oh, Māori from New Zealand. Oh, awesome. And then like this Irishman's like, oh, so what's a Pākehā? Oh, it's like anyone that's not, not Māori. And, and it's like, oh, so my Pākehā is Irishman? No, you're not Pākehā. You're an Irish guy. You can't be Pākehā. You're not from New Zealand. Shame. Stink. And it's like, Aussies aren't Pākehās. The Irish aren't Pākehā. But if you live in New Zealand and you're not Māori, you're Pākehā. Awesome, and you should be proud of that. It's like primo, like good on you. And here's the thing for Pakia is that most of us, like I'm a third generation New Zealander, and what's happened for most non-Māori, the wound is we feel disconnected to this land. The wound for Māori is that they've been deeply connected to this land and all sorts of pain and betrayal has, t- has taken place. For, for Pākehā, most Pākehā, there's this restless in our spirit where we don't feel like we've quite landed and that's why so many Kiwis have to do an OE. Like the number of Kiwis that go exploring the world, even though we live in the most beautiful country in the world, is fascinating. It's because there's this restless spirit of trying to find home. And what happens is that when, when if a non-Māori begins to engage with the history of our country and begins to honour the tangata whenua, the, the, the original uh, guardians of this land, there's a healing that starts to take place. And that's been my story. Uh, chief, um, there's a quote here that I want to bring up from Eddie Jury, who was the chief judge of the Māori Land Court, 1980 to 1998, and uh, and and I've almost memorised this because of how important is that there, Grant? Uh, let's just quickly bring that up um, down here. Oh Lord, have mercy! Yes, it is. No, it's not. Glory. It's important we get this. Here we go. This is so important. Like this is tattoo this on your arm or something because it's just this this will bring healing if you engage with it. He says, We must not forget that the treaty is not just a Bill of Rights for Māori, it's also a Bill of Rights for Pākehā too. It is the treaty that gives Pākehā the right to be here. Without the treaty, there would be no lawful authority for Pākehā presence in this part of the South Pacific. The Pākehā here are not like the Indians in Fiji or the French in New Caledonia. Our Prime Minister can stand proud in Pacific forums and in international forums too, not in spite of the treaty, but because of it. We must remember that if we are tangata whenua, the original people, then the Pākehā are tangata tiriti, those who belong to the land by right of that treaty. This is why I love the treaty and this is why we do these sort of services is because it brings healing. Because I want us as a, as a community of people following Jesus, predominantly Pākehā, to go, I want to come under this treaty, have humility to come under under and respect the fact that there's been a covenant that's made and that gives me a right to be here. Hallelujah. I am tangata tiriti. One of our friends in Christchurch, literally, I think, is getting that tattooed on his, he's like, I'm tangata tiriti. I'm Scottish heritage, but I'm tangata tiriti. I get to be here because of the treaty. Uh, hopefully these sound bites work. One of my friends, Steve Graham, uh, talked about his healing as he began his own journey of putting his roots into this land. And let's hopefully this little soundbite works. Otherwise, I'll have to wave my wand again. No? <laughs> Lord, give me grace. So technology and the fact that it is something I rely on. Here we go. But we can fix it quickly. Here we go. 
Well, don't worry. Basically, Steve Graham uh, tells the story where he's preaching at a conference with Keith Newman, actually, exploring some of our history, and uh, he, he does his bit. He gets uh, The next guy gets up, who's a guy called Daryl Gregory that some of you will know, and Daryl Gregory's getting up to speak, and then he's like a bit flustered in this conference, and, um, and he's like, you know, like when preachers get a bit distracted, and he's like, Steve, can you come up the front here? We've got to do something. He welcomes Steve's up the front. He says, on behalf of, uh, of the Tongue Defender, I want to say welcome home. And let's pray. And so they begin to pray for him that he would just, he would find, because of that restless spirit, he would find home there. He just starts crying. He looks up, looks across the congregation. Everyone's just crying. Māori woman from our previous church in New Brighton, uh, Marikaraka, and she's doing a, a, a karanga welcoming. Welcome, you're welcome here. And it was like this prophetic moment where all across the room, Pākehā were getting healed because it was like, oh, I felt like I kind of live here, but do I, is this my land? Is this my place? Is this my tūronga waiwa? Is where I stand and find my identity? And, um, and you know, I can be nervous even preaching like this because it's like any time you talk about Pākehā being a bit <laughs> Māori justifiably like, wait a minute, a uh, few little things your ancestors did that weren't entirely uh, pleasant in terms of, you know, Parihaki, a few other land more things going on here. You know, like, oh dear, it must be so hard feeling a bit disconnected. <laughs> and, it's like, and guess what? God wants to bring healing to us all, all of us. He wants to bring healing to us all. Um, Dave Dobbin wrote that beautiful song, Welcome Home. And, um, and, and as Beth mentioned, our heart's actually been for a lot of the South Africans here today because um, just so many of you have immigrated here in recent months even. Like almost every Sunday, I'm like, welcome to church. This is awesome you're here. How long you been here? Two weeks. And it's like, whoa, you've left everything. And you're in a whole, and, and while you don't have to worry about language on one level, you've got to worry about accent and everything else is different. Like, I was talking to a South African woman last week at our picnic, and she's like, I don't know how to buy food here. It's weird. It just it's totally different. And Dave Dobbin saw this um, Asian woman in Christchurch getting bullied and picked on by some, some racist um, white anarchist-type folks, and, and his heart just broke for what this woman was going through. And out of that, he wrote the song, Welcome Home, which has these lyrics. Tonight I am feeling for you under the state of a strange land. You have sacrificed much to be here, there but for grace as I offer my hand. Welcome home. I bid you welcome. I bid you welcome. Welcome home from the bottom of my heart. And then later in the song, you know, he talks about a Maori woman with her hands trembling, saying, hi, am I? Welcome, welcome. And so... Um, God wants to bring healing to Māori and to bring Pākehā, and we as followers of Jesus need to take the call seriously to, to continue to move the ball forward, and there's healing every step of the way. Practically, healing for Pākehā, I just want to challenge you guys today, practically for Pākehā, to walk into that healing means to walk into a place where we honour, where we honour Tangata Whenua, where we honour the history of our land, where we have, have honour. The Bible challenges us around honour. And as Kiwis in the Western world, we have to look at some of these passages. He talks about, the Bible talks about uh, having a culture of honour towards the governing authorities in Romans 13. It's election year. I expect followers of Jesus, 
spirit of honouring, even if you don't agree with where that particular persuasion, political persuasion is, right? We, we cannot go down the path of some nations in the world where in the church and everything has become so polarised. We need to have an honour our governing authorities. They're not perfect, they're human. And we need to be passionate about our position, sure, but with the spirit that honours. Um, the Bible talks about honouring our parents. We've explored that historically here. In 1 Timothy 5, it talks about honouring the preachers and teachers in your midst. In 1 Peter verse 2, it talks about honouring your boss. In Matthew 25, it talks about honouring the least of these. Pastors like the one that's about honouring them. (laughs) Don't forget, it's also about the least of these. We honour. And so one of the ways that we can step into healing is is by honouring honouring the uh, tangata whenua, the mana whenua here. And practically, um, that I would encourage you to learn the history of your country. What's happened in, in your, because it impacts us today. So we don't want to be just ignorant. We want to know what's happened in our history. Very practically, you can walk over to the info desk after the sermon today and you can buy Keith's books, which are absolutely stunning, stunning works on the history of New Zealand. Um, not trying to, he doesn't try and, you know, cover anything. It's a stunning, stunning story of New Zealand and what God's done here. And I've found them personally super helpful. Um, the second thing that you can do is to learn some Rio, to learn some Māori language and some of the tikanga. And, um, and as Beth and Paul have mentioned, uh, and Keith as well, it's like the Māori worldview is not your worldview. All sorts of things that are different in terms of priority and in terms of perspective, and it's very enriching. With understanding comes grace. And as more we understand a different worldview, the more we have grace for one another. And so it doesn't have to be your worldview. You can pick up stuff if you want, if you find helpful. It doesn't have to become your worldview, but it's important that you can at least put yourself in the, as much as increasingly from Māori worldview in terms of the history, in terms of where things are at today, and that we can, uh, we can learn um, some of the reo and tikanga around that. And lastly, um, I think we, one of the ways that we can just walk into healing is inviting God to heal us. Every one of us, Māori, Pākehā, everyone, say, Lord, heal us so that we can. I'd love this to begin in the church. The church kind of screwed it up uh, after the treaty got signed and a whole lot of stuff went down. It would be cool if the church was like, we're not going to wait for some other agency to model. You know, education's far further down the track than the church is right now. But how about we go, you know what, we want to show the world what it can look like under the ihukuraiti, under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we're one in him and yet different people. And together there's something, there's a healing that takes place in the church I think would be beautiful. God is doing something in our nation. And, um, you know, I land with this. Um, our former senior pastor, Dave McGregor, who's now the national director of, of our movement, he went on a sabbatical and he just was like, Holy Spirit, I want you to lead me wherever you want to lead me. He wound up traveling all around, particularly the east coast of New Zealand. And as he traveled around everywhere, he saw the signs of revival, of the Holy Spirit's work uh, in those early days, pre, uh, pre-treaty a lot of it, where the Holy Spirit had just been poured out amongst the Māori in the most incredible way. Churches everywhere, signposts, and you can see this mahi and all the place of like where Māori were getting just baptised in droves. And it was just this unbelievable, and as he's driving around, he's just like just in awe of what God has done historically in our country. And then he felt the Lord clearly say this, 
my plan has not changed. My plan was always to do something amongst the, 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 the Māori people in our land, and uh, my plan has not changed. And now it is time for the church to wake up and go, we want to honour and, and come under the treaty, and we want to find healing as Pākehā and all the rest of it. But Lord, we want you to pour out your Spirit on this land. And if your plan hasn't changed, then Lord, do it again. Do something, as Keith was even hinting at, that we'll just see a new resurgence and it's happening of Māori culture where bilingual stuff's becoming the norm and we just embrace what God is doing as we walk, walk uh, shoulder to shoulder together under His Lordship. Amen? So that's, uh, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to say. We're going to take communion now. I'm going to hand over to these guys. And um, kids are coming. <laughs>